Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, December 11th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. In 1972, June precisely of 1972, I think it was, that Woodward and Bernstein, if they're not names you know off the top of your head, they are the two reporters who, in essence, broke and developed the Watergate story the break-in at the Watergate condominiums in Washington, D.C., which ultimately brought down a presidency, and that presidency was the presidency of Richard Nixon. It brought it down because it turns out that Nixon was culpable in arranging for, approving, at the very least, a break-in of the DNC headquarters, the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate in 1972 for the purpose of spying on the opposition, in essence. This was a major event in U.S. history. It was certainly a major event in the 1970s. And the real credit goes to these two then young, rather inexperienced, but courageous and somewhat fearless reporters for the Washington Post. And that would have been Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. They were true journalists, journalists very much unlike any that we have today, although there are some out there, but this was a time when journalism still had a high level of integrity to it. They were contacted by someone who the name used, the code name used was Deep Throat. It was someone in the administration who was feeding them information on the connection to the president, to the people immediately around the president who were involved in hiring these thugs, these these burglars to go into the DNC and to rifle through their documents and to bring them back so that the Republican uh, committee or the Republican party could be privy to what was happening at the DNC. I share all that with you because We know now that I believe the latest poll is 90% plus of people in the United States no longer trust the media. They no longer trust journalism because they are aware, based on so many recent events, with COVID being certainly up there in the top five, that their own source of reliable information or what should be reliable information, what we call the fourth estate, the press, journalism, has been culpable in colluding with the government in providing its own misinformation and disinformation for the sole purpose of empowering one party at the expense of the other. Something has happened recently that I think is very akin to what happened in 1972, and that is the Twitter files. There are three, and I think we can call them journalists. I certainly perceive them as journalists with high integrity. There are three journalists 
who have exhibited the same kind of courage that Woodward and Bernstein did back in 1972. And they are Matt, I believe is the pronunciation of his name is Matt Tabai or Tibai, Barry Weiss, and Michael Schellenberger. These are three journalists who have been analyzing and tweeting out synopses of what Elon Musk has been releasing. And of course, we all know that what Musk has been releasing are the internal, previously unseen documents within Twitter itself, internal emails among the staff that document the deliberate attempt to shadow ban, to deplatform anyone and everyone that they thought was connected to anything other than the official narrative on COVID and anyone and everyone who had anything good to say about Donald Trump, and including Donald Trump himself, who was in fact banned from Twitter permanently, then under the CEO direction of Jack Dorsey. Although the question now is how much did Dorsey know of what was really going on in his own company? It doesn't excuse him if he didn't know. He was the CEO. And as Harry Truman had a sign on his desk, President Truman, the buck stops here. Even if Dorsey didn't know, he still has a responsibility and a duty to have known. But for the moment, let's leave him out of this to some degree. And let's just say that the head of safety and security, I believe it is, Yael Roth, and an attorney, James Baker, I think his name is, who was formerly an attorney for the FBI, who then went to work for Twitter, were both highly culpable and directly involved in meeting regularly with the government, with the FBI, with the Biden administration, well, then the Biden candidacy, the Biden, uh, the DNC and the Biden campaign to share information and to guide Twitter as to who the government wanted shadow banned, what speech they wanted silenced. At the very least, they wanted it difficult to be disseminated across social media. This is a blatant violation of certainly the First Amendment and freedom of speech. But it is also deeply disturbing about the internal workings of our own government that sought to not only influence an election, which it did, but also to keep the public from knowing the truth about a pandemic and about what might be helpful to people who were ill at the time or to help people to be proactive about how they might avoid contracting COVID or certainly avoid the more severe symptoms of COVID by using the alternative methods that were being touted by a lot of reputable physicians and scientists at the time, like hydroxychloroquine and the other alternative remedies, or at least treatments, proactive treatments. So let me go back to these three journalists, Matt Tabby, I never remember how to pronounce his name, Barry Weiss and Michael Schellenberger. They are in essence doing the equivalent of what Woodward and Bernstein did. They're doing it, however, with the help of not an anonymous source within the administration, Deep Throat, but with the help of Elon Musk. Elon Musk is basically filling the role that Deep Throat filled back in 1972 and 73, and that is he has made available to these journalists the internal documents that show the culpability and the complicity and the illegality 
of our own government, of the Democratic Party, and of the Biden campaign. And I would argue the Biden administration, when it, certainly when it comes to COVID, the Biden campaign when it comes to Hunter Biden's laptop. Matt Tibby and Barry Weiss and Michael Schellenberger are incredibly brave. They're brave because when you put yourself out there now, there is an entire federal government that comes after you. We've seen this over and over again. And now, of course, they're going after Elon Musk. They're going after him because until recently, until he purchased Twitter, he was the darling of the federal government. He was the darling of the left. He was the electric car guy, most successful electric car company in the world. In fact, the absurdity of them now investigating Neuralink and his other business entities, the attempt to bring him down is so ludicrous on its face because as I heard a government official say recently, until he bought Twitter, the federal government was sending up top secret payloads on SpaceX flights. Now, if Elon Musk was a risk, a security risk in any way, if he was someone who was doing things illegal in any way, why would the federal government, why would the Department of Defense have been giving him and his company top secret payloads to send into space in his rockets? Why would that have occurred? Well, it occurred because he's not a bad guy. Now look, he's not perfect. Elon Musk isn't perfect, but we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world of duality. No one is perfect. I mean, there are people in history who have changed the course of history and we look at them as courageous and history-altering individuals, but they were far from perfect. I mean, the two that come to mind right off the top of my head are King David, I'm sorry, yes, King David and Winston Churchill. I mean, these were deeply flawed men, but they did miraculous good and altered the course of human history. I think the same thing is true of Elon Musk. I don't see him as perfect. I see him as flawed. He's doing business with China. He makes children like there's no tomorrow. I mean, he, he's got six kids with I don't know how many women. He's hardly, you know, an, an example of, uh, what I guess we would say, moral uprightness. I don't know what to call it. But nonetheless... Let's look at Tesla. Let's look at SpaceX. Let's look at the courage he's had when it comes to purchasing Twitter and then revealing what he found internally. Because as he says, he believes that social media is today the public town square. And there should be all kinds of opinions there. And there certainly shouldn't be subterfuge by executives within the company and people with power within the company in collusion with the federal government to influence a national presidential election, which is what occurred. One of my favorite books of all time is Atlas Shrugged, because I think Ayn Rand, its author, was prescient, almost prophetic. Having been born in Russia and then emigrated to the United States, she knew all about communism. She knew all about totalitarianism. And she saw something happening in the United States that she turned into a novel, and that novel is Atlas Shrugged. 
if you've never read it and you pick it up now, I mean, it's, it's a long read. I think it's eight or 900 pages. To be quite honest, I read it about once a decade because the book is, as I said, prescient. If you picked it up now, you'd think she wrote it today. It is about literally the public-private partnerships, the collusion between big industry, I would add big tech, although I don't think that was in the book at all, but big industry and government, that bad in-bed relationship between the two. She wrote about the takeover of the country by those career bureaucrats who, regardless of what administration is in power, they really run the show behind the scenes and not so behind the scenes. The book outlines the deterioration and annihilation of the middle class as a result, and it becomes the elites against the poor in this country. She outlines the destruction of major cities because of greed and graft and corruption and malfeasance, particularly New York City. And she has a hero, John Galt. The very first line of the book, Atlas Shrugged, is the following. Who is John Galt? And for eight or nine hundred pages, what is unveiled, what evolves, is that John Galt is the best of us. He is an individual who has principles, who has values, who is a capitalist, who is a free market enterprise guy, who sees what's happening, and he kind of disappears from society. He disappears, and slowly over the course of the book, as the nation falls deeper into economic and social dystopia, those individuals, male and female, in the corporate world, in government, wherever, who are like John Galt, who believe in free market enterprise, who believe in morals and values and principles, and believe in the individual over the government, who believe that, that the governed work for us, that we are not enslaved to them, those people begin to disappear also from the main culture. They literally disappear overnight. Major CEOs and heads of national companies, they just suddenly disappear one at a time. And it turns out at the end of the book that they've all reemerged in an alternative, in essence, an alternative reality, a society that John Galt has set up somewhere else on the planet that is obscure, that can't be easily found, that can only be gotten to by air. And he's basically starting over. And so are the people who have the highest good for all concerned starting over with him. And at the end of the book, or very near the end of the book, there's about a 10-page speech that John Galt gives over a national, he takes over a national broadcasting company and he basically hijacks it and he goes on air and he gives the speech that all of us would like to hear today. We'd like to turn on our monitors tomorrow and have someone give this speech because it is about the best of us and about human potential and about what corruption does and about how to transcend it all. I think that in a world where no one is perfect, because in a novel someone can be, in a world where no one is perfect, in my lifetime, 
in your lifetime, most likely, whatever age you are right now and listening to me, Elon Musk is the closest thing to John Gall I'm ever going to see and perhaps you'll ever see in your lifetime. He's a flawed human, but he has some incredible courage, values, and principles that he seems willing to stand by, to take a risk for. And if you aren't aware, recently he said that he would no longer be signing public signatures. He would no longer be giving his autograph, in essence, as he has done in the past in airports and wherever when people see him and they want his autograph, he's giving it. He's no longer going to do that because he said the risk to his life now is real and very high. He knows that he is a target now because of what he is doing. And so in addition to my likening him to John Galt, I would also say this. The founders of this remarkable nation that we live in pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor in order to bring this nation into being. And I would argue that Elon Musk is doing the same thing. There are not perfect people ever, but there are patriots in every generation. Elon Musk is one of them. Perhaps the irony is that he was not born an American. He was born in South Africa. And maybe in the world we live in today, and in the luxury and in the ease of life that we have come to know in the United States, it takes someone from without, not from within, someone from without, who sees the beauty and the gift and the potential of what is the United States of America to remind all of us that we've been gifted something precious and that we not let it slip through our hands. Thank you for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.